We called it The Podcast, and its arrival changed us forever. Great cities were built on Mars and Venus. Mercury became a garden world. Human lifespan tripled. It was a time of miracles. We stared out at the galaxy and knew that it was our destiny to walk in the light of other stars. But the traveler had an enemy, a darkness, which had hunted it for eons across the black gulfs of space. Centuries after our golden age began, this darkness found us, and that was the end of everything. But it was also the beginning of the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. My name is Aaron Thompson. And I'm Josh Karam. And we have a wonderful, wonderful episode planned for you today. What are we doing, Josh? Well, we are doing something that is both Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. We've been talking about it for a long time and teasing it, and it's finally time. We are doing Planeswalkers as Dungeons and Dragons characters. I'm so excited. This is also going to be a surprise for both of us. We've made sure not to talk about exactly how we'd build the characters we've chosen. So, completely off the cuff, or, well, not off the cuff, a complete surprise, mm, level no. 20 character. I've spent so many hours doing this. Well, also, it's pretty cool, too, because even even if you might not be the biggest in the magic, it's going to be cool to see these builds, and maybe you look at it and you're like, ooh, that's a character I want to play as. Right, or maybe you can learn from our mistakes. That's true, too. Yes, if you could do it better, please comment. Because I'm not sure that some of mine are good. <laughs> yeah, these are these are a lot of uh, us interpreting the flavor of what the cards do, so there's no guarantee that they're going to be perfectly mid-max builds. But flavor-wise, hopefully we're getting pretty close. Oh, they're definitely very flavorful, fun characters. I didn't make a character that I said I wouldn't want to play, so... You can't go wrong. Exactly. These This will also be very revealing to both Aaron and myself, because you'll see exactly what kind of magic cards we usually resolve around and uh, <laughs> the colors we want to build. Josh, how do you want to decide who starts? How about this? I'll roll a die and you just pick even or odd. You got it. All right. Even. I rolled a 13, so I will go first. All right, Aaron, who is the first Planeswalker? The first Planeswalker I built and the first one I want to talk about is Tamio. <laughs> yes, she is a moon folk um, from the plane of Kamigawa. Yeah, and she first showed up in the Kamigawa set, which was like a long time ago, like before I started playing Magic. And then she showed up again in Innistrad and a little bit in War of the Spark, and we haven't seen her much since then. No. She appears in such cards as uh, Tamiyo Field Researcher, Tamiyo Collector of Tales. She's also in, I think it's a, there's like a Moonbeam card she's involved in. Hmm. Sealed in the Moon is an Innistrad card that she shows up in. So she's all over the place. I've talked about her before, but um, whenever she, her Planeswalker Spark ignites, she just takes it as her duty to like research the multiverse and understand all of like the the wonders that it has to offer. Mm. So she just goes around collecting stories. Her magic is actually based on these like sealed scrolls she has that contain memories or stories that she's collected on her on her journey. And so each of those has very special powers that she can use. One of which is a scroll that she promised she would never open ever again. Or oh. yeah, ever again, I think. It's like a song to unmake the world. So, but I was looking at through her cards and there was a couple key mechanics I wanted to point out first. 
mostly that scrying and drawing cards are like a huge part of every single one that she does, right? Which makes sense because she's like blue. All of her cards are at least blue. She often ventures into green and there's one where she is blue, green, and white. But blue is the primary focus here. So we got scrying, we got drawing cards. She's got another thing where she taps permanents that don't untap on their next step. It happens in spells like Chilling Touch. Um, that is a D&D spell. Like Chill Trap or Frost Breath. <laughs> I wonder how that translates to D&D then. I know, you might be surprised. No, Chilling Touch is a necromancy spell. It doesn't quite do the same mm. thing. So there's like an ice mechanic in that that I think is really neat. So whenever I'm picking spells for Tamiyo, I'm obviously thinking about what kind of ice magic can she also use. So I started this build with, um, clearly there's no Moonfolk, but I've seen other people sort of reskin Asimar to be like Moonfolk. So I went for the Protector Asimar type, and in honor of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, I took the plus two that it usually gives to Charisma, and I moved it over to Intelligence instead. Okay. Because that just makes more sense with her as like a researcher. I kept the Wisdom buff, because that works fine. Yeah. So, and I decided to start with my first level in Wizard. Just because it gave me better skill proficiencies, and it also, I think, is like a good testament to who she was before her Planeswalker Spark ignited, and before she pledged herself to study the multiverse, and commit herself to um, a cleric domain of knowledge. So she is two levels of divination wizard, right? Because you got to get that scry in there. So we have portent, right? And then the other 18 are in knowledge cleric. What I love about the knowledge cleric is specifically that it gives you expertise, like right in the beginning. So two of her skills, her arcana and her history, right, have expertise. So she can, she like knows so much. And additionally, I was really interested in the visions of the past ability, which I think is the top level for knowledge clerics, where like you go to an area and basically have a vision as to like past events that transpired there. So when I imagine her like delving through ruins, she's using visions of the past to see like an ancient civilization, you know, she's getting all of those sorts of things. Her stats, um, just a heads up. If we ever needed to be really concerned with stats, we would go into like a standard array and sort of build from there. They don't really matter too much for me in this. So Tamiyo like sweeps up in feats. Oh, really? Yeah, I only did one ability score increase because I used all of the ones that give you like a plus one and you get a cool feat. So she's got Keen Mind, she's got Observant, and I gave her Telekinetic because in all of her cards, she has, has all these like scrolls floating around her. And I love the idea that as she's, like, researching, she's got, like, a floating quill that's, like, taking notes while she, like, observes everything. So her main skills and spells are, like, scrying and magic eye and augury and stuff. And then her wizard spells, I, I was torn about putting her into divination wizard, but scrying, like, you just can't look away from that. It's yeah, so many of her blow. other spells, when you think about, like, sealed in the moon and stuff, she's got a lot of abjuration in her as well. But I just decided to pick a bunch of abjuration magic instead. So she's got like shield and mage armor and absorb elements. She's more of an exploratory character. I wouldn't take Tamiyo into battle. Don't rush her into combat. She'll probably do just fine. Like she'll unleash a cone of cold for sure. But like, you know, she's more meant to to discover things. Put her in Candlekeep. There we go. See? She -hmm. found her place. That was my first one. What did you think? I really like that. I think... And the thing that I like, too, is that you built it in the way of being one of the characters that you don't have to worry about, how do I make this combat appropriate? Because that's not what Tamio is. Mm-mm. No, Tamio fights, like, once. 
maybe twice. Exactly. So I really, I love how you took the knowledge cleric and the divination and the scry because I, I haven't even thought. I don't, none of my cards involve scrying, but like I had no idea Surprise. where to go. With, no blue cards? No blues cards. Weird. Uh, there will be a pattern with Josh, no doubt about it. But I was really wondering, how do you get scry to work in D&D? And I think that's probably one of the best ways to do it. Right, because with portent, you see what's coming, right? Yes. And that's ultimately what scrying is. Yeah. Even though in D&D, scrying is spying. That's two different things. Ooh, Demir. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. All right. On to you, Josh. All right. So we're going to go to Ikoria right now. We're going to start with Luca Luca Coppercoat, Outcast, who has the beautiful big kitty on the front of his card. Ugh, I love him. I hate Ikoria, but I love him. So you want to know the saddest thing I learned while I was researching this? Oh, no. Does the cat die? The Heartless Act card. The, that's the oh, same no. cat. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's well, I'm like crying. It's right so now. disappointing. I really just teared up. It hurts a lot, but when you read the card, everything is related to creatures, exiling mm-hmm. cards to find creatures, revealing creature cards, and then finally the ultimate is every creature's power is damage directly to the opponent's face. So this is right. all oh, about wow. creature, creature, creature. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I don't want to say it right now, but I feel as though he might be an Instrad. I know this is like a crazy thing to say, but like, oh. I'll wait till I get to the end. Well, because you told me when we were making these, you were like, he shows up later in life, right? Yeah. Or was that just a hunch you have? Or is that like a solid, a solid theory? It was a hunch, but now after reading, his last known whereabouts was in a swamp. Oh. So I don't know why they would say that unless maybe it had something to do with black being added to his character. And just because we're talking about, like, Instrad coming out, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. that's where the black comes it's possible. in. possible. It might happen. You look at him, right? He's got a big kitty. So you have to mm-hmm. come up with things that involve having an animal companion. And on top of that, he also summons a bunch of different animals to attack a human stronghold. So he's, oh, okay. he's a master of many beasts. So so he's sort of like Vivian in that way. Yes, and also he's met Vivian as well. Yeah. So they have, they have crossed paths on the plane of Ikoria, which is really cool. However, we'll see what plane he shows up in in later sets. Who knows? Mm-mm. I use Luca a lot, so I, I'm a big fan of Luca. Yes. Luca has killed me many times. Yeah. So I basically am doing a multi-class here for Luca. He's a human. Sorry, not very exciting here. Oh. I'm going with a variant human. Basically, the boost that we're looking at is strength and wisdom. And because, you know, wisdom is dealing with uh, animals mm-hmm. constantly. Get your get your ranger spells. I know, right? And the feat that I mainly chose, though, was mountain combatant. Oh, yeah? Because... He's riding these creatures, too. Like, that needs to be part of it. So I wanted to get that solid. So I started him off as a fighter because he didn't realize his connection with animals until a little later. Mm -hmm. So I just went with fighting. Uh, Dueling was a big thing that I chose just because he has that single harpoon blade. And then inevitably taking Cavalier. So you get your born to saddle and more advantages on riding. I know it's silly, but I kind of rationalized extra attack as being like exiling multiple cards. Just any way to get multiple in part of it. Interesting. That's a stretch, but okay. Big stretch, but you know. Big stretch for the kitty. But the big one, of course, is Ranger that we're looking into. Clearly, you want the animal relations, so if you play this character, you acquire a beast at some point. But if not, we're going ranger, and we're going the uh, Beastmaster route here. Definitely. What kind of Beastmaster are you going for? So I'm looking at Tasha here. Yeah. I just wanted to say as a side note, I was thinking about it. If you go with, like, classic favorite foe, just do human. But we're looking at Tasha right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. Because, I don't know, he's he's fighting against the human kingdom. That's his big battle. Mm-hmm. So I feel right. as though that makes the most sense for him. I have this debate between whether Beast of Land or Beast of Sky works the best because he is a flying cat. So Wait, the it, cat flies? The cat has wings. Oh, that's so cool. I know. So, like, I don't know. I think what the best thing is is just to do Beast of Sky so you have the flying. Right. The question is, can you ride the Beast of the Sky, or is that just, like, a different, a different vibe? I want to think, if you talk to your DM... You could, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know that it initially says small beast, but I feel as though there's got to right. be a way you can make this work, making the cat bigger. So just you wait, D&D. We're going to have a big <laughs> flying cat. You just wait till a the- Pegasus tiger. The Ikoria book comes out. Oh, gosh. But the big things that I wanted mm. to talk about was uh, when it comes to what he would do mostly in this build is definitely ranger side summoning beast is a big spell that would constantly be it. So mostly not having him go forward all the time. Ways to get other creatures to attack. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you want the power of all creatures to be really big in how this card is built. It's really interesting to me that he's... Is he just red? He is just red. Because when you think, when I think about, like, a horde of beasts, right? Yeah, green, and right? It's, it's very green and it's very white, right? Because you have, like, the, the strength of the many. Hmm. So, but also... We talked in our color wheel that red, green, and white is, um, it's called Naya. It's called Naya, and it's the color of beasts. So it's like the, the kingdom of animals is red, green, and white. Yeah, but that's that's basically all I got for Luca. Sorry, 13 levels of ranger, 7 a fighter. Forgot to mention mm. that part. 7 and 13, a very auspicious number, Ooh. especially looking at my next <gasps> character, Tyvar Kell. Tyvar um, Kell! My new husbando, Tyvar Kell. <laughs> He takes uh, 13 levels of ranger. He also, um, but he doesn't start there. Is that true? That is true. Okay. So this um, is the biggest stretch. And I'm going to say if you're playing a campaign and you want to be Tyvar Kell, it has to be a campaign where you don't start with the standard array. (laughs) Because this is really hard. (laughs) So basically, the way that I conceptualize Tyvar, because he doesn't have that many cards, right? Hmm. But his main thing is about buffing his allies through plus one, plus one counters. Yeah. And then, like, making tokens, he can draw some cards. Haste is a thing, right? His his last ability, I think, either the struggle for Skemfar. Like, you put elves onto the field and they get haste, right? Yes. So, like, they move fast. And that the main thing from the magic story is he's uncharmable. Oh, so good point. So I really wanted to highlight that. That is So big. if you roll well for your stats, you can totally make it all work, but otherwise it's a little bit touch and go. <laughs> I started as a traditional wood elf um, for the plus two decks and the plus one wisdom because it turns out we're going to need both of those buffs because we are starting as an Oath of Glory paladin because that's like Tyvar's whole personality, I think. And the whole like suite of skills you get with that is all about buffing your allies just by being near them. Yeah. So like when you have your inspiring smite, when Tyvar takes an enemy down with a smite, he can give his allies 2d8 plus 7 when he's all done, temporary hit points. And, like, just by being near him, like, your speed increases. Like, he he helps all of his friends. And paladins just have great abilities like that in general. That's so cool. I just never saw it coming. That's awesome. Yeah. But when you think about it, right, like, Tyvar is all obsessed with, like, they will tell great tales of yeah. me and my friends. So, so cold I think that makes him. sense. And then here's the plan. You need a little bit of a roadmap for this. For your first ability score increase, um, you're gonna put plus one in your strength just to like get an even number, and then plus one in your dex. That way you finally have 13 dexterity and 13 wisdom. (laughs) 
so oh, that you yes. can multi-class into ranger and you're gonna do the fey wanderer ranger because it gives you all of the nature powers that you need it also builds in us really sweet counter charm at level 11 and it lets you sort of boost your really bad charisma stats so by go. adding your really bad wisdom score <laughs> so <laughs> when i'm looking at the sheet right now both of them are at 13 Oh. So whenever you make a persuasion check, it means you can add plus two instead of just plus one. There you go. That's It's better. not great. Yeah. It's better. It's better, but it's not great. So this is, remember when I said that you really shouldn't, you know, do this unless you can roll for stats and roll well. But the way that I look at it is I picked a lot of spells. First off, spellcasting is not Tyvar's main event, no. right? And when it is, it's not things that require attack rolls or saving throws. Because no. he's mostly casting buffs. Yes. So... The main, the main reason why I took so many levels of uh, Ranger was because I needed the spell Stone Skin. Because, like, in the story, right, he, like, turns his arms into stone so that he can fight the trolls. True. And I was like, I need that. And if Tyver's going to be the real tanky boy that he needs to be for all of his friends, he's on the front lines taking half damage from all this, like, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, right, with stone skin. Yeah. That's that's that. So he needs Warcaster also to give him advantage on those con saving throws so we can keep up those concentration buffs. And then I gave him another plus two in strength so he could get to 18. Okay. Tyvar doesn't make it to 20 strength. I'm sorry. Poor Tyvar. It just wouldn't quite work. I know. And then depending on how anybody feels like playing him, you can either save your last feat or ability score increase to go for tough, so you can give him 40 extra hit points, which could be really helpful. That's pretty solid. Or you could pick the dual wielder feat, which will give you another bonus to your AC and let you dual longsword people to death. That sounds oh, awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's mostly... I don't know if he's a damage build, but in my mind he is. He's like a super tank, right? Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of like the crowd control stuff that rangers usually do, but it's all right. He makes up for it's it. It's all right. We're going to... Yeah, it's fine. He's mostly a Tasha Ranger, except for I really want to keep the primeval awareness from the player's handbook, which is the thing where, like, you meditate for, like, a minute and you learn the presence of creatures within a mile of you, because that really seems like Tyvar, like, tapping into the earth around him yeah, to, like, yeah. see what's around. So I wanted to keep that, but everything else, you go for the Tasha Ranger. And uh, similarly, it's funny when you said Luca, his favorite foe is humans. If you're going to go for a favorite enemy with Tyvar, you would also pick humans. <laughs> well, we got a theme here. We did it. <laughs> I sort of like to hunt humans, you know? Well, I mean, you... in D&D, in D&D, <laughs> I have not committed any crimes. Because when you think about, if we're talking about, like, min-maxing characters here, there's more humanoids than any other creature. You are definitely more likely to fight humanoids So than, you know... There it is. Yeah. That's all it is. But no, I, I'm still blown away. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's shirtless. I didn't see the paladin thing coming. I know that's a very oh. weird thing to say. But <laughs> no shirtless paladins. Even the Oath of Glory paladin is shirtless, though. Like the, the hot tiefling they have in the book. My whole perception is wrong. Everything I know is it's wrong. It's fine. <laughs> I know. And depending on how gracious your DM is... They can still flavor you as being shirtless, but wear heavy armor. Yes. You know, you can still have your disadvantage on your stealth checks. That's a good point. But it's point. like, he's got like a metal cummerbund, you know? So I think that helps. Yeah, I made one of my uh, draconic sorcerers once just have a bodysuit of dragon scale. So, you know. Oh, sick. Talk to your DMs. They're your friends. <laughs> talk to your DMs. As long as all the mechanics stay the same, then I don't see why anything can't just like look pretty. Yeah, you know? definitely. I can see because this build working Most of nicely. your spell slots you're going to use for smites anyway. He's sort of a typical paladin, right? 
except for the ones that you use for your buff spells, which you won't need that many because they're all concentration. I do have to be honest, Aaron. He is not my favorite planeswalker from call time. I All right. That's those are fighting words, but sure. I, let's see it. I do have a planeswalker I prefer, which is the mm -hmm. second one that I have chosen, which oh. is Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, and people are like, "He's in call time? Well, he's disguised <laughs> as Valky." Ah! It's it's crazy, honestly. Wow. You all of that seemed so organic. It really so did. I didn't fight for that whatsoever or fought through the pain of my brain slowly malfunctioning as I said it. No, it's fine. So I've always loved Tybalt even from his sad War of the Sparks days. His War of the Spark card was also not awful. It's not good, though. It was just... Well, what, what else are you supposed to do with an uncommon planeswalker? It's just like there's other planeswalkers that you could put into your deck that will do what Tybalt does but better. And that's, that's my big thing. Like That's what a lot of people say about Vivian too. Like, hmm. not to throw shade on Vivian, but like, what does she offer us? Sorry, Vivian. It's life. Like, if you put Tybalt in an aggro deck, you might as well just put Chandra in an aggro deck yeah. instead of Tybalt. Like, it Except just for when you add Tybalt to your D&D &D party. <gasps> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> What's he do? Well, let me tell you what he does. Uh, people probably saw this coming, right? He's a tiefling. Oh, for sure. I did. Clear. Uh, I took Aaron's advice on this one and started him off as a bard because yes. I think there's a lot of things that make sense, right? You want your charm spells. You want inspiration in general because he finds ways, whether it is for good or bad, it's mostly for bad. He finds <laughs> ways to inspire the people that work for him. Did you go the whole way into um, Mastermind Bard or whatever it is, College of Whispers? Yes, I did make it up to level six. So it is a level 14 bard with a level six sorcerer build. Interesting. Now, there's a couple things, yeah. So <laughs> I think the charm thing also works well just as spells because, like, simple charms, people hate you mm -hmm. afterwards. And I think that's a perfect description of when people figure out who Tybalt is, <laughs> how he gets shunned from a plane. People hate him afterwards. Yeah, so it's it's just, like, it makes sense because he has to run around so much. Mm -hmm. And that's just perfect. Um, Besides, like... Psychic Blade being perfect for the fact that he inevitably wields the Sword of the Realms. Yes. And just something to add damage on top of that. Also, bards could have long swords or rapiers with yes. uh, proficiency. So whatever you find better. I know that the sword is technically a long sword, but let's be fair. We're not building a strength bard here. We're mm -hmm. kind of, so I'm technically <laughs> Why putting, would you? Absolutely yeah, not. Charisma and dexterity. Like, sorry, strength. It's not going to be happening. But... Of course, you look at Words of Terror, Mantle of Whispers, and especially Shadow Lore. I think it's important to remember that Tybalt was a mono-red card. Yeah. And then became a red-black card. So I wanted not only to add Shadow Lore to it, but I also wanted to add Shadow Sorcery on top of it. Oh. Because I want to have that black element be big, and also I wanted fire spells for Tybalt. Yes, that makes perfect sense. So I wanted to make sure that I filled all those kind of spells, your your classic like firebolts, your fear spells too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things just to manipulate the plane. And also, bards get magical secrets. So I know, you, right? You could find ways to add those spells you're looking for. Because I even threw on top of that, I want summon lesser demons because that's what his earlier cards did. Yes. So basically manipulating a bunch of stuff, uh, whether it be humans, creatures, blah, 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 I think is important because Tybalt the Cosmic Imposter, everything's about exiling and whatever you exile, you control. Basically widespread control was what I was going with with Tybalt. Just a couple little fun things. Um, disguise self, of course. 
you're stalking. That's literally his whole calling. But his background would be charlatan because he has a false identity. Oh, classic. And you could play it as masquerading as a Norse god if you wish. Or I don't know how well a D&D campaign will take it. Oh, yeah, my false identity is I'm a god. And it's like, is oh. a, I'm a god. You know, maybe like yeah. a prophet who calls but himself no a god. No doubt Tybalt was a charlatan everywhere he went. You know. Oh, definitely. Even before his spark ignited, he was a charlatan. Yeah, he was just a little little rascal running around. He was a, a rascally messes. rascal. But yes, we're looking at 14 bard, 6 sorcerer. You want your manipulations with your charms and such. You want to instoke fear, fire spells with sorcery, and then getting the shadow side with shadow lore and shadow sorcery to add the black into the card. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I like that. And Shadow Sorcerer is getting a lot of love here today. <gasps> my, You will be so surprised by my last one. This is why I wanted to keep it, you know, a secret. Ooh. Because I've broken my color scheme. Um, no. And that my last Planeswalker is Liliana Vess. What? Yes. What? <laughs> Ta-da. I've been tricked. Usually I'm the black magic player I here. I know. Because I was, I was like, it's so easy to, to write off these like monocolor planeswalkers is like oh they're this you know yeah definitely. like we wouldn't make jace because jace is like either an illusion w- or like an enchantment wizard i was you know? thinking of like, a weird way you could try yeah. to add echo knight into it but we're not we're not gonna talk but about we're not that. doing that but and so i was thinking about liliana right and i was like she's a necromancer hardcore i was like but there's love of my life other- too love of my life right there's other ways to play a necromancer besides the necromancy subclass of wizard Oh, Especially when you're looking at um, Liliana's personality, right? Like, she's seductive and charismatic, right? She's got all this, like, so much personality that she wields, like, through her magic, right? So clearly, oh yes, she's got to start as a shadow sorcerer. Good start. Good start. Thank you. And then I was looking, because the main thing that we know about Liliana, and for most of my time in magic, she's been, like, with the chain veil, right? Yes. And she always talks about these before the end of War of the Spark, all the demons that she's made deals with for power. And so it makes perfect sense for me that she takes eight levels of sorcerer and then 12 levels of warlock, especially oh. because warlock gives you access to all of the summon the undead spells that there you could it ever is. want, including animate dead because you can get it through the invocation undying servitude. With all of that, she's just going to... Like, she doesn't need any other ability besides her charisma, really. So just, like, do that. A lot of my... Also, if you do this build, you get five ability score increases, which is more than my other two, so... That's good. Because Warlock gets extra ones, right? As if Warlock needed more things. Oh, So, but with that, (laughs) I wanted to focus on, above all else, she summons an army to be around her, right? Good point. And nothing adds to this army better, though, than the Hound of Ill Omen from the Shadow Sorcerer subclass. Especially it is because whenever the Hound of Ill Omen has a target, they have disadvantage against your spells. So if mm-hmm. Liliana's also all about control, so I stalked her with spells that are like, um, well, naturally she's got Blight. She's got Create Undead. She's got Summon Undead, right? But she also comes with Charm Person and Charm Monster because she's, you know, quite persuasive. Mm-hmm. But if you set your Hound of Ill Omen against somebody and then cast Hold Person on them, they have disadvantage on all of those saving throws True. because the hound is attacking them. And then once they're paralyzed, the hound gets like almost critical hits against them every round, right? Like they get advantage. So your hound probably won't die. You'll get to keep doing your thing, right? And you can just have an army of the dead march towards your enemies. Oh, so important for her too, just the way that her planeswalker always works. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So I know I had to pick a, um, a packed boon for her, which I couldn't really find any that I felt great about, but I ended up doing um, Pact of the Chain, because, like, you okay. know, the, the chain veil. Um, Works, But I yeah. figured she would get, like, a cute little, like, skeletal cat or something, or, like, a pseudo-dragon that just, like, curls around her <laughs> neck and looks badass. I think chain makes the most sense, too. Yeah. I, so, because, like, you couldn't give her a sword. She doesn't no. use a sword. And um, the Pact of the Tome is bad. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that's, what else to tell you guys. That's fair. She she does have a tome in certain pictures, but I think the chain yeah, is just better. But she too. really doesn't need to do much ritual casting, no, in my opinion. Not. But yeah, some other spells too that that you should totally add besides all the ones that raise the dead. Negative energy flood from Xanathar's guide, especially because if you kill a creature with that, it rises as a zombie. So like that's awesome. Shadow of Moil is super cool. Um blight obviously because shout out to rachel you can twin blight and it's badass so use your sorcery points and twin that blight you also i think it would be fun to do maximilian's earth and grasp if Mm. you think about like a huge zombie hand coming out of the dirt and like grabbing someone i think that's fun but she also gets fear also take vampiric touch for like a little bit of healing speaking of healing though um the invocation gift of the ever living ones also lets you regain max hit points every time that you roll to heal oh so that's yeah. a big plus because you don't wear armor you don't have a high constitution <laughs> you can't yeah no liliana you don't no have a lot war. going for you i think when it comes to feats you don't need to take warcaster if you don't want to maintain your concentration because you can take the eldritch mind invocation hmm. and with this spread you get six invocations which like is more than enough you might also want to pick up spell sniper though you can pick whatever cantrip you want, but I like the idea that... Because I, I envision, like, in Innistrad, when Leliana comes to save the day, like, the whole army of zombies is marching towards the armies of Emrakul. Yes. And she's, like, in the back slinging spells. And so if you have a spell sniper, you, like, boost the range of your spells by, like, a bunch, right? And so you can stay really far out of harm's way and just, like, rain down Eldritch Blasts on people while your zombies do all your dirty work. I love that. I also love, in D&D, I don't know, I've never seen a lot of builds that are a lot about multiple creatures go Mm -hmm. out there and defend me. But that's, like, totally Leliana's thing. It's also very magic, too, just in general. Yes. Get your army of of tokens and just go for it. So there's one other thing about Liliana before we pivot. Um, Because you have a fifth feat you could pick, right? And you could either choose the shadow-touched um, if you needed more spells. This build is also a great solution to people who complain that sorcerers don't learn enough spells because warlocks learn just as many. But So you can either take the Shadow Touched if you want another spell, right? And mm. to get just more Shadow Fell in there. Or you could take the Healer feat for like who she used to be because she oh, was a healer yes. back in the day. But We're waiting you know. for that card, Magic. We want Wait, that white I'm Liliana. waiting. The issue is that Liliana has always acted out of self-interest at every turn. So... Uh. It's sort of hard to break that. Back in time card? Back in time set? <laughs> ba- back in Maybe. time set? Oh, we'll see if But yeah, happens. so that's that's my homage to necromancers that aren't wizards. I like it. It's very Thank good. You. Now, I hope to surprise you a little bit with my last one. I think you know who I'm doing. Perhaps the build will shock you. Which I, I hope so. I do hope to be shocked. I didn't go outside of the color scheme that I had, which was red and black, so this is just a <laughs> mono-red card here. This is Rowan Kenrith. Oh, haven't thought about Rowan in a hot minute. Which I also wanted to bring up because Strixhaven mm-hmm. brought, is bringing her back and her brother, which is super cool. I think they fit perfectly into the Strixhaven 
universe of what we know, so go that. So she's a human, right? That's that's pretty straightforward. Let's get past that point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just roll past the human part. Two humans. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry I couldn't do anything more exciting. Um, I also have a side note at the bottom that I'll just have to get to at some point. Uh, we're going to start with a fighter with Kenrith. I think it's very simple based on the picture alone. Uh, dueling fighter. And basically what mm-hmm. we're going to do here is we're going to go for the battle master as our first hit. Now, I'll let you know that I bring this fighter up to level 15. Holy shit. Yeah, so I recommend goading, rally, commander. Things that buff your creatures based on the other cards that are basically her minions that are separate cards in Eldraine and other sets. Those Mm -hmm. cards are all about buffing your creatures. So I think it's important to have things like rally just to represent that, even though it's not on the Planeswalker card itself. And the plus two ability on Rowan Kendrith is literally goading. It's actually the goading mechanic. You're getting the other player to attack you. Perfect. So throw that in. I'm silly because I said like action surge is almost like copying a spell and similar to action. <laughs> I like attack. that because you can actually do that. So I really, I really hope that's the way to rationalize extra attack again. Now you're gonna be like, okay, what are there's five levels that aren't accounted for. Yeah, I'm. What waiting. are they? Where do they go? Two levels of wizard. Oh. Three levels of barbarian. Oh. Now work with me here. The wizard yeah, yeah, is probably yeah, yeah. a little easier, right? The wizard is, it's to get I'm those like, pinging spells. You do magic. Cast she fireball. Does, exactly. She deals three damage to creatures that have attacked or are tapped. So mm-hmm. you need things like firebolt, witchbolt. Uh, mage armor could be a rationale for loyalty if you need to. Right. Whatever. You know, you probably want to just buff your character up as much as possible. I wanted to think of other ways to convince people to attack this player. Because Rowan Kenrith is all about having the other players attack. Constantly right. goading them into attack. Mm-hmm. So I thought about a good old friend of ours, Zipkin, in Out of oh, the Abyss. Oh, Zipkin. Our ancestral spirit barbarian. And mm-hmm. I said, wait, when he attacks... Creatures that don't attack him have disadvantage. And I thought, too, there's probably a way to flavor this where it's not like Rowan is getting super muscularly veiny jacked. Just super angry. Or they rage. It's just that the Kenrith family spirit is almost around her. I just feel as though her family Mm. is so strong that it makes sense that, like, their aura is around her. And that's what protects her and has creatures go after her. Mm-hmm. I'm totally also into the idea of um, rage that doesn't look just like rage, you know? Yeah. And if you look at uh, Rowan Kendrick's artwork, uh, the one where she's engaged in attack, her eyes glow red. So things like that. Uh, this is silly. Get a flame tongue sword at some point. Oh, you have to. Just play with the art. And I took Sentinel as a feature because I think it just makes sense for having she's the most- tanky. Of- Having the most advantage of characters attacking you, what can you benefit off of with that? Uh, Dump everything into strength, constitution, and intelligence in that order, and that's basically what I got for Rowan. That's awesome. Yeah. My only thing is I don't think she needs mage armor because you're going to be wearing heavy armor, right? It's true, unless you want to just tank it more. (laughs) That's true. I would recommend shield then instead. Shield is better, and then throw a shocking grasp on there. That's that's your spell list. But that's Rowan. That sounds awesome. That was a really, I mean, I always get nervous anytime someone says they have three different classes going on. Yeah. You know, but that was, that was pretty clean. My only worry is you can't, can you cast spells while you're raging? I know you can't concentrate on a spell while you're raging. That's the one thing. I'm pretty sure you can't. 
Right. So that might be a bit of a problem. It's honestly, it does run into problems, but I wanted to think of it with the, as we know, we're going mm-hmm. for a little with flavor the flavor here. Yeah. Right. Well, and I like that it's versatile too. So I imagine like you're not going to be pinging your fire bolts whenever you're, you know, on the front lines tanking things. So it's almost like you have options. After 15 levels of fighter, I kind of feel as though you want some other things at that point. Mm. That's Fair. just After you opinion. have your three attacks. Yeah. So that's Rowan. There she is. There's all our planeswalkers. We did it. That's the planeswalkers. Woo. It was fun. That was really fun. It I was really hard. Uh, I know, right? The um, oh, the sheer amount of like acrobatics I had to do to be like, how do I get these characters to actually work? I had like three different books open, just like staring at them. I know. I yeah. I have three. I got I got Xanathar. I got Player's Handbook. I got Tasha's right here on my table. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so much. But we really had fun doing it. We've been wanting to do this for a while. So if there's things that you guys want to see as planeswalkers or things we didn't talk about or want to see us do it again, just uh, leave mm-hmm. comments for us. Let us know. Yes, please. Also, like I really want to play these characters now. I know, and Aaron, it's funny that you say that because there is a moment to play new characters coming up in the Dungeons & Gatherers universe. There is? Aaron and myself and a couple other friends are going to be playing an episode out of Candlekeep, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. We're going to be releasing it at the end of March, March 30th, so if you want to see us play Candlekeep, give it a try. We'll talk back on it, see our opinions of it. Please tune in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm really happy that I also ended on a uh, Eldraine Planeswalker because the mission of each true knight, his duty, nay, his privilege, to like and subscribe to the Dungeons & Gatherers podcast.